2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winners coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Cory Thun, Cory Smith, Isis, and our very special guest all the way from the UK, Sarah. How are you doing, Sarah?
3: I'm tired. How are you?
2: <laughs> well, I'm tired, too, but probably not for the same reasons you're tired. Um, what time is it over there?
3: So it's 1.45 uh so last night I stayed up until two to watch the episode because I was afraid that I would sleep through it. And then I was too excited afterwards to sleep, so I just watched it again. Well, that's and then stupid. yeah, then I went to work.
2: Did you watch I love it? it. I love it. <laughs> Be honest, you watched the Night King the Night King scene at work too, didn't you?
3: Yes. <laughs> Although not as much as I watched Arya and Gendry's sex scene last week which I guarantee you went over a hundred times <laughs> at, at one point I was at work and I was having a bad day and I was like I'm just going to go to the bathroom and, and watch them do it and I did <laughs> and like someone I work with came in and she was like what are those sounds
2: that's Arya and Gendry don't you know
3: it <laughs> was a low moment for me
2: that's amazing well um, let's get into the nitty gritty of this episode this was the big battle for Winterfell the living versus the dead and Corey Smith things started out um, pretty cool we got a Gandalf moment from Melisandre uh, where she kind of walked in it wasn't like the Gandalf from Helm's Deep there is your Lord of the Rings reference for the night but it was a kind of a Gandalf moment. She just appeared out of nowhere and lit some swords on fire. What did you think about that? Is
4: that what happened? I really yeah, yeah. I really couldn't see much. I wasn't... It was I was dark kind of confused. As fuck. Oh my god. Like, I... You know, beforehand, before the episode started, everybody's was like, turn up your TV brightness. I cranked... Like, my TV has a backlight. I cranked the backlight up. I cranked the brightness level up. And still, like, we we're like, what the fuck is going on in half this episode? And... Um. Yeah, but that aside, um, Melisandre showing up super early was was kind of uh, a surprise for me. Um, I think we all kind of talked about how we thought she might show up at some point during the battle, um, but it would be more of a Aomer or Rohirrim showing up at the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep as opposed to at the beginning. Um, and so that was kind of shocking for me. Um, but I did love all the, the Dothraki Aruks, uh, getting lit on fire. And then they immediately all it died. Was lit. It was, it was lit for like five seconds. I was like, Oh great. We're going to be able to see something this whole episode. And then they all died. Um,
2: they, they all died like immediately. Isis, like the Dothraki, right? Like we've been, we've been told we see, we saw it in season seven. Dothraki on an open field, fuck you up, right? And they had lit swords this time, and they got fucked. Like, they got properly fucked. Like, did you think the the Dothraki would get smashed that quick?
5: You know what, actually, I did. Especially, you know, being a person that was in the military, they had nothing behind them whatsoever. I mean, they went out there on their own. It was like... You know uh, what is that? Was that uh, meme? Was it Tyro? Was Leroy that? Jenkins? Yeah, Leroy, Leroy Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. I mean, it literally was like Leroy Jenkins. Um, and and I just I kept on going in my mind, going, "This is not good." Like I understand who the Dothraki are, and and they are a formidable bunch. But yeah, no, there was the. I, I mean, they basically try to take on the de- all the dead from the these all these other houses that they just brought along with them there was just no way and and the fact that you know you see Danny and John perched up there and they couldn't see that that they were outnumbered i mean if i was again thinking about my military hat on i if i have a dragon who can spit fire and at this point you know the 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 ice haven't kind of rolled in and the cool air hasn't rolled in i'm going to be throwing you know freaking uh uh firebombs just to see what's there in right. the field right. i mean like, i just really didn't understand why they were just perched there just like yeah we're just looking i mean it, it just it was ridiculous to me i i, I thought that was pretty absurd
2: bone um, i I'm on, I'm on i'm on board with this ridiculous military plan um the dragons should have been brought in first and like they should have burned the front lines of the undead my favorite picture and i did the screen cap recap uh today um it'll be up tomorrow but uh i i i got a picture of that one dothraki who has surprise face when he he's charging in he's the yeah. first guy and he looks up at the giant like oh shit what did i do <laughs> like you got to bring the you got to bring the dragons in first right uh,
0: there's lots of things i don't want to talk like a military strategist or anything but from what i know i'm not granted the the Thraki are not, like, the traditional cavalry or knights or something. These are different kinds of mounted units. But, like, they specialize in open combat in the field. So even though it's a mounted, you know, uh, division, you which you don't really send first, (laughs) Uh, they're the Thraci, So it's different. So fine. I honestly thought while I was watching, you know, that, Go down that it it was going to turn into like a a picket's charge kind of situation. If anybody here is a history buff or anything, I I,
2: I catch what you're saying. Yes.
0: Yeah, uh, but I don't understand the thought process. Uh, and, and I granted, some people have pointed out that Jorah looked really surprised whenever the Dothraki charged. It was like uh, I didn't tell you to do that, and just kind of went with them. They got amped because they had fire swords and. <laughs> <laughs> they got smashed, and like nobody told them, "Hey, don't!" But you know, it was it was an absolute. Like, what were you going to accomplish? I just think it maybe was like that to show that they still don't understand. Like, the, a lot of them don't understand what they're up against at that point still. Because what are you going to do if you get out there? You can't just charge through forever. If you break the front line, there's even more. behind – I don't know. It just was stupid.
2: Yeah, like but we, we we saw we saw like they were like rows and rows and rows of undead they were just kept coming,
0: but the shot of all of their swords on fire slowly getting put out like the candles on a ninety year old woman's cake one at a time <laughs> uh was was really something to see, so that was that was a great shot, but it really drove home what they were up against, I guess,
2: but I also liked uh when everybody's just kind of looking like what the fuck just happened the horses are running back and then the dothraki are running back off the horse like nope 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 <laughs> yeah there were a
0: few dothraki that like just started running and they're not stopping until they get to a port somewhere <laughs> they can take me back <laughs> over that way
2: <laughs> and i thought that the knights of the veil vale should have been used they were used in the battle of the bastards to very well by the way Sansa brought the about Knights of the Vale and they destroyed Ramsey Bolton's army. And that was a uh that army was locked in in a pincer move. A double envelopment, if you will. And uh they had Jon Snow and everybody dead to rights, and the and the that's what a mounted cavalry with armor should do. They break through the lines and destroy things. Like they just wrecked house. But we had unarmored Dothraki going in. I don't know. It was just really weird. I was worried about Ghost, Sarah, but we saw him in the trailer for another the next episode. Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty happy about that. But
3: yeah, I, I took wa- a screenshot for you. Yeah,
2: you saved me. You <laughs> saved my feels. I was very upset for a minute. Um, what I want to ask you is, Melisandre comes into Winterfell like a boss, right? Like Valar Magullus to... Uh, to uh, Grey Worm and he's all, "Yeah, have Ollar It was a pretty cool moment. And then she looks up on the battlements and she and Arya share a moment. And that's a callback to the last time they saw each other in season three, right? Yeah. That was pretty good. Like, your girl sees Melisandre. And now that we know that Arya was destined to kill the Night King, I guess, take me through how you felt when when Arya sees Melisandre, like, what's going to be my, Arya's head? You're you yeah. an Arya fan.
3: It's funny, because I was watching with my brother, who absolutely hadn't seen any spoilers, and as soon as she looked at Arya, Dean went, Arya's going to kill the Night King. <laughs> it, really? Th- yeah, that was enough. It, it was so pointed. Um, I mean, I... I'm in episode two. I remember watching the credits for episode two, going, "Carson Van please, please don't show up! Please don't show up!" Because, my, I, I've pinned so much hope on Arya's survival, and so I knew that she had to survive until at least after she'd met Melisandre.
5: Right, right.
3: So, seeing her pop up at the beginning of the episode was a bit like, "Uh," but yeah, it, it honestly, as soon as they locked eyes, it was like, something big is gonna happen with this girl. Because that's what Melisandra does. She kind of mooches into the situation and she stares somebody down and then that person becomes important. It's, it's kind of her thing. Yeah. you know. She's like reverse Bran. At least with Melisandre, you find out why you're being stared at creepily.
2: That's great. I love it. That's so true.
3: Yeah. I think Bran's just doing it to troll people, really. Like, What else are you going to do all day? You can't walk. I'm just going to look at people, people and quote themselves back at them just to be a dick.
2: <laughs> That's funny. Um, so the Melisandra also contributed to this fight by lighting the trenches on fire. That was pretty, that was a pretty cool moment. Phone, for cinematic purposes, seeing the fire in Melisandre's eyes. There were a few beautiful moments from this episode, the fire in Melisandre's eyes, the Dothraki's fire going out when they got to the dead, um, the, dra- the all the dragon scenes, like the dragons when they were b- blowing fire and there was clouds above them, and then when they went up – when Danny and John went up above the clouds and were talking, all that shit was pretty cool cinematically, right?
0: Yeah. I, I it, The episode, whenever you could see it, looked <laughs> – Looked great. The above the, like you said, above the clouds. What I actually loved was before Melisandre even showed up. Whenever they were showing all of the, you know, troops, the, the, the insullied in formation, the Dothraki in front, the siege weapons which are outside of the walls for some stupid reason I don't know. We talked about that last week. <laughs> um, yeah, the fire in Melisandre's eyes, and not just that, but the the doubt on her face the whole time or no, not the whole time, but like she started to really again, get nervous and like, not necessarily doubt, but you know, wonder, well, I, I kind of thought the Lord of light would help me out here, but maybe I going to, um, the, uh, the white Walker, like, or yeah, the white Walker crew walking through the, the walls for the or through the gate for the first time, like in, in mass after, (laughs) like there was lots of, there were lots of great, You know, shots, the episode was – it was probably really tough. It's tough to – and we'll get into it, but there was so much that had to happen and it was going on that the pace could feel a little jarring at times. But as a whole, whenever they allowed a scene to kind of develop, it looked great.
2: Isis, I want to talk about pacing for a second. Um, This is one of my big problems with this episode, and maybe it's because we had to show so many POVs in this episode – but, like, usually when Sapo, Miguel Sapochnik, Sapochnik, I always blow his name up, but um Sapochnik, there you go, thank you. So, like, Miguel S- Sapochnik, whenever usually he does great episodes, like, we usually watch one, like, John one-shots, right? Like, he runs through, like, one big shot, and it's all really cool and awesome. But this time, he had to film several different POVs. And maybe that's why I'm having trouble with this episode, because it didn't really focus on anybody too long. Um, how did you feel about the pace, Isis?
5: Yeah, I felt the um, pace was clunky at times. I mean, there were a lot of times where here you are, you know, invested in what's going to happen in, you know to these people, whether it be, um, you know, what was happening to um, – Uh, Gendry, and what was happening to, you know... That crowd, and then here you are being pulled over to the um to the the cave. I want to call it the cave of wonders. I don't know why I have Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) I have Aladdin on the brain or something. I have no idea. Um, but no, the crypts. And so you know, here you are pulled in all of these different you know places, and you're you know, granted we did have eighty minutes, but it was just. It was just all over the place at some time. There were times where I felt like it was almost done on purpose to make me feel frantic because the pacing was good. so frenetic. That's a good point. like, you know what I mean? It, it, I think that I don't I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to give this guy any kudos, but I think that, you know, it was done on purposefully to in my opinion, uh, purposely, so you could feel that anxiety, so the anxiety can heighten more um, because the, the, the you know pacing was so frenetic and, and you couldn't just stay on one thing. I think that was also kind of devised as well so they can kind of slip on by the whole aria um, portion of that storyline. So um, because you're just kind of like going all over the place and, and you're, you can't focus on one storyline. Or what's happening to one character because it's just happening at a rapid pace, and not only that, but it wasn't like, okay, now we're gonna go to John, now we're gonna go to Danny, now we're gonna go to you know um, Theon, now we're gonna do this, and then and then redo it again. No, it was just like boom, 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 all over the place, and it just, it literally made me frantic. I was rocking in place, may have been sucking my thumb and just going <laughs> i don't know where this is going i don't know where this was going where this is going and i feel
2: like that was purposeful i think so too and at one point i was confident before we went into this episode of who was going to die and who was going to live and 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 but and i for, to to be fully honest with you guys the episode leaked with images images from the episode leaked so hbo once again blew it somehow and somebody somebody leaked images on the Reddit, and then they leaked a gif of the episode. So we had Shame. it, it Shame. was all it was all over the place, right? Like, so I don't know what's going on with HBO, but goddamn, three episodes in a row, this happened. But um, court sniff, uh the dead broke through the fire pretty quick because the Night King used the force from his dragon and commanded the the dead to break through the fire. Um, getting people into the gates of Winterfell was pretty awesome because we had Liana Mormont leading the charge. I want to talk about, we already know how the dead got in, right? Like, they piled up, they did, they, they, <laughs> Cory not going to like this, but they did World War Z t- style, and they climbed the wall, and, uh...
0: Excuse me, it's Starship Troopers style. <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge <laughs> War War Z.
2: Okay, you're right. It was Starship Trooper style, and they climbed the wall, and they got in. What I want to talk about really quick, and we can go back to other points if you guys want to, but Liana Mormont's final stand, Corey Smith. Take me through that, how you felt.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, because if you look back at our, um, you know, we did our preview piece, I don't think any of us really saw Liana dying. Um, not at all. I mean, not at all. I mean, certainly it was a possibility for for basically anybody on the episode almost. Um, But, yeah, I don't think any of us really saw Leanna dying. And, I mean, yeah, she went down in a way that was pretty fitting for her character, not backing down, you know, to anybody. I mean, even, you know, from the get-go, we loved her because she would stand up to these, you know, figurative characters. You know, from Jon Snow to to Sansa to Daenerys. I mean, she never backed down to anybody. So to see her her literally not back down from a giant was was pretty cool. Um, I mean, I I kind of assumed she was going to take out the giant. Even even if she was kind of dying, you kind of knew she wasn't going to just go out like that. I was very afraid that they were going to just rip her in half. Uh, um, and I don't think I I could have handled that.
2: Yeah, I would have lost it if they ripped her in half.
4: Like, that, when that was going down, I'm like, oh my god, please don't rip her in half, like, just, you know, because we've seen giants do that kind of stuff, and I'm just like, just, please, I know she's about to die, can we just not have that part? So I like that they just kind of, you know, the giant just kind of basically crushed her chest in, because I felt like that was a little less graphic of a way to go, even though that's still pretty brutal. The sound uh, was
2: awful. The sound was goddamn awful.
4: Yeah, so I mean, I loved it. I thought it was a great moment. I think she went down, you know, in a fitting way for her character. Um, I really,
5: I really thought that that he was going to bite her head off. Like he was like yeah, going in to like nibble on it or something yeah. like. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, and I was, I, I again curled up in the fetal position, and uh, I thought I really thought he was going in there, but you know, you ha- you have to respect a a person who turned a a character who was supposed to uh, apparently only be on one episode, and yeah, they wrote her one a- line. Yeah, for one episode, and this girl is turned this into a a multiple showing. I mean, I, I mean that really just shows you what you know. Even the words on the paper don't really even matter. It's what you make of the role, and um, and I just feel like it was really a fitting end to that character, even though she was only supposed to have just one episode.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree. It was nice. It, hated that we lost her. But the fact that she took the giant out, even after her chest was crushed in, that was a pretty cool moment.
4: Yeah, My we own... had to, I don't mean to interrupt. I mean, I know you said no, you hate that, that we lost her, but, and we can talk about this more in general later, but we had to lose some people we hated to lose. You know what I mean? Like, I know we That's lost true. Ed and we lost Barrick, but I don't know how much necessarily i mean we like those characters but i mean were we really attached to those characters i don't i don't think so so we had to lose some people and obviously jorah was pretty rough in theon but, but you know we had to lose some people that were unexpected that we were attached to that maybe necessarily didn't have that much story left and leona i mean like you said they only wrote her for one line so she was basically kind of living on borrowed time in that sense so, I mean, well, it made sense for Corey, her to kind of go.
5: Corey, but, and I'll, I'd like to expand on that because I think, in my opinion, my hot take, not enough important people died. Not enough people that Oh, if, if you, you want to get
4: into that, let's get into it because I'm 100% agree with a that. A lot yeah. of people I don't, are I don't, taking 100%. that 100%
5: yeah so i I just I'm, I agree with you. I just wanted to kind of pull that thread and maybe we'll address it a little bit later, but I really felt like there were some more people that could have um you know for sure died uh, <clears throat> Sam and uh and so <laughs> i I really feel like that you know that's something that we really could dig into yeah,
4: let's talk about I it I mean let's yeah. get into it i listen i had I don't know I had seven or eight people over last night, and we all watched in a group. And that was kind of a common complaint was that um not enough people died and that kind of makes us sound like sadists or something but you know they tease so many people dying in this episode and every single time someone would come up at the last second and you know knock the wife off of them or something and honestly th- it, it got to the point where i knew the night king was gonna die when about 1520 20- 20 minutes left in the episode they made it look like literally everyone was gonna die and that was where i was like okay well they're not gonna kill everybody so obviously the night king is going down and it's like well if you tease everybody's death so many times and then we're not getting any of them it's it was it was kind of unfulfilling it's like this was supposed to be the battle to end all battles you know the undead versus the the forces of the living and we only got a few deaths that that kind of mattered and i i feel like that was disappointing um just because go ahead let me
2: talk about that like okay so number one i was very disappointed in the fact that the white walkers were not used until the very end in fact they didn't do a goddamn thing but have a cool entrance into the castle like they had a cool entrance and then, when Arya snuck past one of them, their hair flipped up. And that was pretty fucking cool. But, other than that, they didn't have anything else. Like, it was boring. Do you agree, corython Like, we had nothing from the White Walkers. The Night King kind of did a few things on his dragon. And he, he resisted dragon flame from Daenerys. But, as far as main death, Sam really escaped too many near-death experiences. For his um, lack of fighting skills. And Brian, Podrick, and Jamie were swarmed. One of them should have died at some point. What What do you think?
0: I, I agree with those last two statements that Sam definitely should be dead. That was, cra- <laughs> it was just crazy, him not dying. Although, you know, in the past, Sam has just, like, sat behind a rock and not gotten taken by the white walkers for some reason, so maybe we just don't want him. Uh, Bri- I was I like everybody was shocked that Brienne, Jamie, and Pod all made it out from the front lines alive. That was weird, but the real reason I wanted to jump in line uh, is to counter the point you made, David, where you said that you know, you were disappointed the White walkers didn't do more, right? You know, we just got done talking about the poor battle strategy of having your mounted cavalry. <laughs> in the front line um <laughs> it let's give some credit to the smart battle strategy of the army of the dead because if a white walker goes down so does a percentage of their fighting force uh,
2: good why point.
0: would they why would they be anywhere near the battle until it was over you know they don't need to be this is uh, there's a hundred thousand zombies in front of them Let them kill everybody and then go through and, you know, if you find something of interest, take it, I guess, or whatever they were doing there at the end. Besides flexing, I think this was the first time we'd seen any type of emotion from, you know, the Night King and stuff. He smiled and all that jazz. So he was also walking like Vince McMahon when he was walking up to (laughs) Bran swinging those arms. But... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, yeah somebody's about to get their ass kicked is what i was thinking but what well, was know, that Mark interesting
2: no chance no, no chance no in
0: chance hell. in hell Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, you got
0: I, I just i think uh a lot of people have said that same complaint david that the white walkers and i agree i was expecting to see like you know, Theon or Arya or someone, Grey Worm, like fighting a White Walker, you know, not not the Night King, but a White Walker. And it's like then when you think about it, why would they even bother? <laughs> it's like they have enough troops to lay down on top of fire so they can walk across them. Why would they bother <laughs> being in front? So that was just something I wanted to say. A lot of the criticisms that are coming from fans, not all of them, there's some very legitimate criticisms about this episode with or or decisions made narratively, but, like, a lot of them are, I wanted this, and I didn't get it. And, like, I understand that because I've been that way, but when you take a step back, it makes sense for the White Walkers to not be
2: involved. Sarah, a lot of people are upset because their theories didn't come true from this episode. Um, What do you say to that?
3: Well, my theory came true.
2: Well, of course yours when,
3: did. When, when I say my theory came true, my theory came true right down to the where the blade entered the Night King's chest. I wrote this huge post about why Arya was going to kill the Night King, how she would do it, why it related to her arc, and it, it came true. So um, for me, going on Twitter after the episode and seeing all of these people being really butt hurt was just sort of icing on the cake for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I I did want to go back to the point about the amount of characters who died in this episode, um, and and it's an absolutely valid criticism because it's it's really not realistic that like at the end of the episode you've got Tormund and Gendry on top of a pile of bodies, the only two surviving, and um, they just happen to be named characters, um, but. I've never seen a major death on Game of Thrones that didn't make sense to me. I've never seen a character die and thought, oh, shit, they were right in the middle of their story. It always seemed like they came to an organic end and then they died. So in considering the characters who died in this episode, I try and consider their ongoing story arcs and whether or not they're finished. So I actually wasn't expecting a lot of people to die. I really wasn't. I... Knew I knew Sansa was going to survive, I knew Tyrion was going to survive. I had was very strongly convinced that Sam was going to survive. I know everybody was thinking he might die because he doesn't have that much combat ability, but going back to episode one where Bran urged him to tell Jon about his parentage and his conversation with Daenerys, I think he has a much bigger role to play in this simmering beneath the surface tension that's now about to erupt because Daenerys knows who John's parents are. So I mean I was irrationally nervous for certain characters who I really care about, but I, I never expected Jamie, Brienne, Arya, Gendry, Bran, I never expected any of them to die. I thought we would see a massacre of secondary characters. For example, Podrick, I was surprised that he survived, but um I was I actually just... gonna
0: I was gonna ask you that because I felt like Pod and Brienne both had come to a point narratively where it would make sense if they were to die. Um, and not like, I don't think Jamie had So I'm, I'm, I agree with you on Podrick, but with Brianne, I'm just curious. Cause I know that you know more about a lot of stuff than I do. You read a lot more than I do, but there's, <laughs> uh, I, I felt like Brianne getting knighted and, you know, becoming Sir Brianne and then getting to, uh, you know, die as a knight, protecting, Winterfell protecting the Stark girls, protecting the North, and Catelyn's home, or well, her whatever, her uh, home of her husband, whatever. But that felt very poetic. I thought that's why I was kind of prepared for her to die, even though I'm glad she didn't because she is one of my favorites, but I just I, was curious I, your thoughts on that.
3: So back in season five, Bron asked Jamie how he wanted to die, and Jamie said, in the arms of the woman I love. Since that moment I've been convinced that Jamie will die in Brienne's arms. Amen. A call back to their bathtub scene where he collapsed and she held him. So I thought if any of the two was going to die in that battle, it would be Jamie. But the fact that Cersei has sent Bronn to kill both Tyrion and Jamie, to me, guaranteed both of their survival through that battle because I think that needs to be resolved. This is how I think about the story. So I I've never expected I've never expected Brienne to die at all. I think she still has a length to go in her arc with Jamie, and I think that's going to end with him dying as she holds him, and at that point, some kind of verbalization of the feelings that they have for each other. So, yeah, I I wasn't surprised. Podrick, yeah, I, I, I thought he seemed pretty expendable, but maybe they just didn't want to hurt us that much.
0: Well, they were going to kill him until they saw how many streams he had on Spotify. And they were like, <laughs> mm, we need that money, dog. So they gave yeah. him life.
5: <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with that. Okay, so I'm going to say something pretty unpopular to one of the people on this podcast. And I'm going to say, for me, I really felt like it was Sansa's time to end. It was her time to go. Really? I, I was really, I yes unpopular opinion uh, by some people, not all people. Uh, but uh, I really thought that, you know, when, you know, I, I really thought when she had that night, I, I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the moment between um, Tyrion and her enjoyed the moment, but I really thought that she was going to go out there and she was going to go ahead and fight, you know, using her, her you know, sticking with the pointy in and, um, and she was going to defend her people, you know, the people that are in the crypts with her. And she she didn't. And that was really kind of just it, well, I mean, it was it was par for the course for her, uh, to be honest, um, to take pot sh- shots at other people who are actually wrecking dicks. Um, but then, you know, it, when the time comes, uh, she didn't she really didn't do anything but run. Um, so I really felt like that for me, I thought it would have been a really cool ending um, for her to go ahead and, and, you know, go out there and. You know, try to save, you know, maybe a child or something to show that, you know, she she kind of has has some skin in the game. You got to have some fucking skin in the game. And I just don't feel like she's got skin in the game. She's just been sitting in the in the back ways. She's sitting here just throwing shit at other people. And just like throwing rocks and pebbles at other people and trying to shade other people um, who are actually doing something, so I- I'm yeah, gonna me, say that me, right now.
2: Let me break in with this. Um, I have I have become slowly over the past couple of seasons a Sansa fan. Um, and well, I'm sorry for that. No, 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 no. I mean, it's it's. I'm not. It's die an die an hard. I'm not it's a diehard. I'm not a diehard Sansa fan, but no, I'm a diehard. A- I know I know you are Sarah, and I'll get I'll get your thoughts on this. But um, I kind of thought it was poor writing to have Sansa take a shot at Daenerys in the crypts because she blamed Daenerys. This is all your Dragon Queen's fault, right? And Shout out to
4: Missandei for sticking up for a girl.
2: Missandei fucking spoke up, and I was like, "Thank you, God!" Because since they've got to Winterfell. Everybody's been racist as fuck to Missandei. Nobody talks to Missandei. They all they all shun her. The only person talking to her is Grey Worm. And finally, she's in the crypts, and Sansa mouths off about the Dragon Queen, and, and Missandei sticks up for her. I was upset because they gave Sansa that line. I felt like Daenerys and Sansa made headway, even though they left their conversation with the North needs to be free and Daenerys wants the Iron Throne to rule the North, and that that conversation ended on a not-so-friendly note. But she saw how Theon loved Sansa, and it was dedicated to Sansa. Sansa, to me, did not take anything from that conversation. She decided that she was going to be petty in the crypts. Now, I loved the moment between Tyrion and Sansa, it was fucking beautiful when they were hiding behind the, that one, that one crypt, that one, um, whatever coffin, and they were holding hands. That was beautiful. Like I, I had tears in my eyes. Before that, can I, I, was,
0: can, can I just jump in because before we get because I know that we're gonna circle. I don't want to get too far off of the conversation at hand about Sansa in the crypts and things she said and stuff. And I to to throw some defense towards Sansa, not for what she said. Because I agree it was, like, an unnecessarily catty thing to say in a moment when, like, everybody's about to die. She is not the first person this season that has been given a line that just sounds so far to left field. It doesn't make any sense to them to say it. Remember when Danny first got to Winterfell? And we're like, listen, Danny, I know that you, like, have – we talked about it. You haven't been trained on, like, you know any, like, real training about how to deal with Westerosi people or customs or – but, like, you know how to read a room. <laughs> and like the, thing up there, the dragons can eat whatever they want. Blah. And it's like, yeah, thanks. All right. You really you contributed nothing and you made things more tense. And it's like this is not the first time this season that they've and it even going back to season seven, whenever they were manufacturing that conflict between Sansa and Arya that we all were like, This isn't gonna end any other way except them coming together. Like I, this stuff with Sansa and Danny, I don't know how it's gonna end, but it almost om- it almost feels so forced by the dialogue it, it it almost isn't it's not even clever it's just like pot shots in weird moments yeah and because like when they had that heart to heart was the when they had that sit down was the only time that the dialogue actually felt I don't know like organic
2: organic yeah
0: and it didn't feel organic with Danny in the beginning and it didn't feel organic with Sansa in the crypt there and it just really stands out because those are two characters that typically are pretty fleshed out dialogue wise so anyway that's all i wanted to say on that
2: i know you've got some thoughts on sansa's uh crypt scenes uh sarah so please hit us with it
3: well i mean i i have to completely disagree with isis that that would have been a good end for her um i mean do you did you also expect for a tyrian and Varys to jump out and fight i mean why her in particular
5: well, I mean, this is the this is the thing is that at the end of the, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say something. Uh this is the thing. At the end of the day, she's been talking about how Winterfeld is is her people. These are her people in the crypt. Not that Tyrion and 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 uh, da- uh Davos. Uh Tyrion and uh what's his name? Uh they they're, the, they're Varys. not Varys. Yeah, that, that that's not their <laughs> people. They're there because they're uh, again supporting Daenerys, right? But these are actually Sansa's people. These are her people that she says that she loves, that she wants the best for them, and they'll never forget. Well, shit, I won't fucking forget that my own damn, you know, wardeness of the North didn't do shit to help me.
3: Just saying. Okay, Just saying. well, first of all, if we go back to Sansa telling Tyrion that the bravest thing they could do is accept the truth, and the truth is that Sansa's not a fire. And when this battle is over and done with, Sansa is the one who is making sure that these people are fed and clothed and that they're taken care of. That's her strength. That is what she excels at. The people who were fighting to defend Winterfell were already outside fighting. She knows her place. It would have been completely out of character, out of left field, and made no sense if she suddenly whipped out a blade and started stabbing at whites and I'll agree with that. Because I agree. That's not who she is. Like and Danny we did. <laughs> we shouldn't apply the same standard or the same expectation to every single character because that seems really nonsensical to me. Sansa needs to be alive because somebody needs to lead her people when all of this is done, and that's what that she's was doing. That was not. No, 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 no. Let's let's not go there. There are two emotions that
5: happens when you're being attacked. You either fight or flight, right? two things are going to happen she was flight she was running she was getting the hell out of there she was not she was not fighting whatsoever she was not defending her people i mean th- that's what i'm saying i was just like you know Here we are. We're going to applaud her because she's going to go ahead and take care of the people who are still left when there were people that she could have kept alive in in that crypt. I mean, say what you will. I mean, you're going to you're going to Sarah. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. But for me, if Sansa would have died. I believe that somebody else would have, you know, came in line to take care of the people that are left in Winterfell, which at this point is like a handful of people. So um, I, I really, I mean, maybe two handfuls. I don't know. There's not but a grain
0: shortage anymore.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there, there, there might be a baker's dozen left at, at Winterfell at this point. But again, you know, I mean, there, there are times that people are called to – Th- that are called to moments where they may react out of character because that's what they're called to do. Um, you're right. Sansa will never be that person. And for no. me that she seems like that, that to me, I can't, I can't respect that. Um, but that's, that's just me. And, and I mean, I'm
0: curious. Just- I'm curious why they gave her a, a glass like dagger,
2: I'm curious why Tyrion brought Dragon down there. Well, so and and also, I don't
0: know if you saw. Shout out to Tyrion because he took off his hand of the Queen pin and was going to use it as a weapon. I
5: don't <laughs> don't
0: know if you saw that that little thing, but uh, that's not even. He was MacGyver
5: in it. Hey, yeah. he was
3: MacGyver in that shit, man. I, I but I, the I am. I, of Sansa having, I think the point of Sansa being given that dagger was just more about her relationship with Arya than. Okay. the show fair. having any intent for her to use it. I think it that's was fair. just trying to show that Arya cares about her and wants mm-hmm. her to be safe.
2: And sticking with the pointing in was a great move. Yeah, but but she wasn't going to use it, so Well, anyway. I mean,
0: if that's the case, then Arya probably knew that anyway. It was more, like Sarah said, just symbolic almost. Yeah.
2: To... And honestly, they didn't have any idea that the dead and... Shout out to Corey Smith for calling the shot from two weeks ago, but the dead in the crypts rose, right? And they didn't have any idea that was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was shocked. In fact, well, I, was, I was... Before before we start school.
0: patting Smith on the back, the reason that you and I no, said... No, well, no, no, let's do that first. No, no let's do that. <laughs> then, we'll let, then we'll let Smith have his moment in the sun. Yeah. David, you and I, and maybe even I, I can't remember who all said it, it was like, well, yeah, but if the dead rise in winterfell they're in like 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 cement <laughs> they're in they're in rock so yeah, what's that gonna happen was pretty stupid yeah and it's like they they put a white in a wooden box and t- took it all the way to king's landing and it never escaped and it was like fully formed and still had flesh and stuff so these like skeletons aren't gonna be able to get out of this concrete then they punch through it <laughs> like it's like it's styrofoam with like spray paint on it what the hell no one of the starks they, everything's fake down there it's not real brick that's <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Smith was right and I am completely surprised and and uh, anyway, Smith, go ahead and do a victory lap here. Go ahead and tell us about how smart. Go you ahead, are. Smith, you earned
2: it.
5: <laughs> go Hey, hey, I will I'm it will probably be fist. the first and only it is the only first and only time I will give you your props, man. Take it. <laughs> oh! Take that lap. Take it.
4: I'm patting myself on my back patting myself on my back uh yeah no I I agree though the the punching through the concrete thing was was pretty like well then they could be punching through all kinds of shit why do they even bother having swords you know we saw them like stab 100 people like they should just punch through people um (laughs) but you know the only thing I'll say other than that is that I enjoyed the fact that they didn't go full-blown like cheesy and have like headless Ned running around or, could, or Rick on <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Like they kept, they, they did it, but they didn't make it like just completely ridiculous. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, you know, punching through concrete aside. So I, I did enjoy the fact that they did that. The only thing in this is, you know, circling back to our general point it nobody really died because of it, and that was kind of like... Like, I would have loved to have seen somebody that we thought was a non-combatant die because of that mistake of putting everybody down in the crypts.
2: You had Gilly, Varys, uh, Sansa, Nasande, and Tyrion down there. Yeah,
4: you had a a ton of people that really, realistically, you know, if we talk story-wise, don't really have much left to do, so, like, you could have killed Varus. You could have killed Masande. Um, I mean, a, a ton of people. I mean, just think about if if Grey Worm had survived the battle, he goes down to the crypts to find Masande dead. Like, what kind of moment
2: that would and that been, would be a callback yeah. to their. I want to go back to Nah thing. Like that right. would have been a great callback, right? Or even and so, Gilly. I mean, I mean, where Gilly dies same. and the baby's
5: still the baby's still alive.
2: Yeah. So I mean, it's like I genuinely they did thought that would
5: happen. Th- yeah. yeah
4: so they did this grand like oh my god all the, the dead rise in the crypts but really it just killed a bunch of people you know a bunch of red shirts so it didn't end up really mattering so that that, that part was, kind of felt like a, a missed opportunity to me it's very
3: I, anti-climatic like yeah. they, they broke out of the walls and then they, they just went and hid somewhere and they were fine it's like uh, <laughs> uh, the, okay we'll just walk around this corner they'll never see us <laughs> uh, that's how it felt I, I thought it would be like dead people swarming, breaking through all of the tombs and just enveloping everybody in there, but it, it was kind of like oh, we'll just walk this way it was,
2: was, I, was I wrong, did I see a white in a dress, like a gown when she came out of her <laughs> tomb, like she was in a nightmare. You jealous. didn't get Lady
4: Stoneheart, dude. Just give it up.
2: <laughs> it was Lady three episodes
4: <laughs> left. It's not happening. It's not happening, dude. Give it up.
2: Stop You're trying to make it happen.
5: Mouth. Look, stop trying to make Lady Stoneheart real. Okay? It it don't it's not
2: gonna happen. He's go. real to me.
0: Also, you can't sit with us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about two scenes uh really quick. Well, one scene's not really quick, but who else was impressed that it took Arya being in trouble to get the hound out of his out of his PTSD moment?
3: Oh my god. I started to cry. Right? I,
2: Honestly,
4: okay, that was so what like, I thought was going to happen though.
3: Oh no, it was totally expected, but
0: right. it's
3: it's it was like an an instinctual parental thing.
0: It's very because, well executed. Yeah, yeah I, 100%. I, I, if you 100%. look back
3: to like the the battle of Blackwater where he was so scared by the fire he finally just thought fuck it and left because there was no stakes in that for him there was nobody he cared about and I I think the Hound has always lived his life in a, a state of emotional arrested development such as he sort of started to cultivate Narya herself so to see him love somebody so much in a in a fatherly kind of way that despite his fear of fire and despite his Absolute certainty that they were all fucked, to see her, and that was enough for him to to spring into action. That really made me emotional. It really, really struck a chord with me. It
2: was a great scene, and um, you even go back to season seven. He let Thoros die. Thoros would have lived had the hound not gone into his PTSD moment with the fire on the on the polar bear. Yeah, he, Thoros would have lived, and he, so he was so he. he totally went into daddy hound moment like yeah and he sprung into action and it was great but I want to talk about to me one of the best scenes from the night was Aria in the library okay let's talk about this because this was really Disagree.
1: great
2: huh oh my god first of all it was terrifying because the whites weren't running around screaming I swear to god the one that looks like Rickon I, I was like I told my wife oh my god it's Rickon Rickon's there <laughs> Like, I was freaking the fuck out. It was a little, it was a kid, a tall, lanky kid, white, right? Same. I thought it was Rick on too. Same. Thank you. Thank you. So, like, I was freaking the fuck out. And I swear to God, he put a book back on the shelf. Like, he, <laughs> somebody was putting books back on the shelf. And I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, um, I really enjoyed that scene. A, it showed off Aria's faceless man skills. She was, silent and quick as a cat cat of the canals callback shot out, and she moved around silently and used that book to throw a distraction and when she turned the corner and shoved that dagger into the the chin of that one white, she didn't even think about it it was instant it was quick i loved it i think that moment set up the rest of aria's arc for the rest of the story because that showed off that she could sneak past somebody Sneaking past the whites, and that she was quick enough with a weapon, that she could kill anybody at any time, A.K.A. the Night King. So, like, I was really enjoying it. Smith, why didn't you like the scene?
4: Um, I I think in a vacuum, I liked the scene, but to me, it just it felt a little off pace. Um, for for the rest of the episode, um, you know, we saw just these masses and masses of whites. Um, Like, in particular, I loved in the first scene when they kind of, like, broke over the defenders like a wave. You know, they didn't just run in a straight line. They kind of, like, bubbled yeah. over. So it's like we had these just huge groups of whites, and they were in every corner of the castle. And then, except for in the library, where, like, four of them were kind of shuffling around. And I don't know. I just felt like there's sh- it would have been more realistic to have a huge group of them in there, like just going 90 miles an hour, bouncing off the walls. So it was just, it was just the, the pace compared to the rest of the episode. And I know why they did it to give us kind of, you know, breathing room for a second, but I don't know. It just, it felt a little out of place with the rest of the episode. I don't think it was a terrible scene.
2: It just, again, it just felt kind of out of place. So, Savo, when he directed this, he totally went back and watched El Zeep, Right? He watched the two towers, and he told he told Ew that he learned where to give the the audience a breath. Like you get battle fatigue at some point. The, the audience gets battle fatigue if you watch a forty minute battle with nothing, no breaks. Right? So this was totally that scene where Gimli is like, "Not the beard." It was that scene, right? Like it was him and Legolas talking this was the this was a break from all the fighting this was a great little moment where they had together and and then we went back to the action Sarah I know you've got some points to talk about with this scene
3: oh, I have so much to say about Arya um I think firstly I think she was the only character who had a cohesive linear story from start to finish inside that episode with
2: that. I would agree
3: There was a beginning a middle and end and I feel like, again, I always like to examine the characters and their arcs. I feel like that episode was about her relationship with death and what her relationship with death has done to her personality. So you have her Her first big moment is obviously when she's laying out the whites, you know, kicking ass, showing off her amazing combat skills. She's really in control. There's a moment where Davos is watching her thinking, oh, another daughter for me to adopt. And then... The next time you well, yeah, you know, he's impressed. Um, but then the next time you see her inside Winterfell, I think, is where she is learning to confront her fear. I think that's the first time you see her truly fearful. Death since, and I, I mean, this is since the moment Gendry was taken away from her in season three, and she told Beric Darien, my God is death. Death has been her friend. She has served death. She has done so much in the name of death. All the people she's fought for have been dead. She's put people in the ground. She completely disregarded Cyril Farrell's instruction, which was to say not today to death. She sort of opened herself to it. And I think over the course of this episode, it broke that relationship down and it took her back to who she was before all of that happened. I mean, she... she, hates Beric Dondarrion, she doesn't have any real time for him. And what really struck me about the scene where the Hound and Beric came looking for her after she she had that little moment running around the library trying to get away from all of these people is that she seemed so much like who she used to be before her humanity started to strip away. I mean, the Hound had to pick her up and drag her away from Beric because she was... And that was so an emotional moment. That
2: was very yeah. emotional
3: she was so desperate to save his life and that is who she used to be she tried to save people she tried to protect people she wasn't trying to put people in the ground so that i mean that was a really emotional moment for me because i feel like this season i think like since season seven has been about Arya reclaiming her humanity i mean i i totally want her to give up on her list the only person i wanted her to kill this season was the night king so she could kill death and end her service to him so that whole moment with with Beric and with the Hound, I thought was was beautiful because it was the real her, the emotions and the passion in her nature that she's tried so hard to keep down just came flooding to the surface because this is the end of the world and she's finally being confronted with what death really is, which is destruction and darkness and a part of her personality that I don't really think she wants anymore. I really
2: enjoyed when. They got to the room and, and closed the door. And Barak had his last moment. She, she held him. That yeah. was very, very, a very emotional moment. And then um, I really enjoyed, and this is why Melisandra honestly, this is the only real reason Melisandre was there. I like that Melisandra was in the corner of the room hanging out. <laughs> and, then like, and then it's like, you know, he served his purpose to to the, to the Lord of Light.
3: You know, and you, and it, it,
2: it immediately you go, oh my god! All these seasons back, we find out that Beric Dondarrion has been brought back, you know, seven or eight times by Thoros, and his only purpose from being brought back from the dead was to make sure that down the line, in a in a in a rural north northern castle that one girl would escape death and have a chance to kill the Night King. I thought it was amazing, yeah. amazing storytelling. I mean, um, not, just,
0: not just that, but the, the idea that – because I've seen a lot of people – I've seen a lot of similar criticisms levied toward this episode by the same people – the same criticisms that were levied toward The Last Jedi. And one of the big yep. ones – one of the big ones uh, – well, the two big ones, and actually right now we can talk about this in a minute if you want to. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the – see, one, two, third highest trending topic right now on Twitter is Mary Sue. And it is uh But most of the, the most retweeted things are people saying, you know, this is stupid. You insults are dumb. But um, anyway, so that is – that phrase that was also, you know, thrown toward Ray – and now being thrown toward Arya like she didn't spend seven seasons training yeah. for this. But uh, you know the but the big thing is the the idea that oh uh, Game of Thrones was so focused on wanting to subvert expectations that they they sacrifice storytelling, which is something that they said about the Last Jedi, which I also disagree with and have disagreed with you know vocally even with David on some things and, about it.
2: I know, and but, I, and uh, I love the Last Jedi. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but. <laughs> I I think one of the big ones is the idea that, ev- you know, everything has to serve a purpose to in order for the thing that, like Azor Ahai, right, is, is something that people talk about. It's been mentioned on the show. It's a big thing in the book, right? Like Beric, his whole life he kept being, or, or there toward the end he was brought back, however many times, so he could throw his sword, not even use it. Throw his sword <laughs> at a zombie to save an eighteen-year-old girl. Period. That's it. His entire reason for being there is pretty much done. He held back and got stabbed a bunch. As like f- icing on the cake. Like that was it.
2: He, he had a Jesus. He had a Jesus moment. He the had, yeah. Baric, Baric hit
0: the cross pose hard. That was some. That was some uh, Creed shit right there. That
5: was, <laughs> that was some with
0: arms wide with, open. With happening. arms
5: wide open.
0: Yeah. So. But but not just bear. I mean, it's it's everybody. It's everyone. Melisandre's whole thing was to come back just so that she could. Because I mean, obviously the the flaming Daethraki swords were just her being like, "Hey, you want to do something dope?" Like she didn't think that was gonna help. <laughs> but the whole reason is that she came back. The Lord of Light was like, "Hey, you need to go back there, and you need to make sure that Arya remembers that you know blue eyes, and and just drop that phrase, and, and not and, today." And not today, exactly. All the things, like Sarah said, all the things that, you know, she was taught before the – or she was told yeah. and taught before the Many-Faced God. And, you know, I, I I think it's a great analysis of this episode with Ari, and I think, you know, the really important – I think it was a really important scene in the library where we got the Jurassic Park kitchen scene again, but in a library in <laughs> Westeros as opposed to, you know, in a, in a kitchen in a, in a theme park. But, yeah, it was uh, – I mean, just the little things like, "Hey, her blood drips louder than she walks." You know, they yeah, they really yeah. were yeah. selling it home to you, like, "Bro, this bitch is it." Like, she's one hundred percent that bitch, and she's gonna <laughs> do it. And they they really sold that, and people just weren't paying attention to quote Ramsey because I wasn't paying attention. I didn't if expect were, that
2: exactly. If you weren't pay if you thought this had a happy ending, Jon Snow killing the Night King. Yeah, you have been wanted, paying
3: attention.
0: I honestly,
2: I oh, go ahead, sir. Sorry.
3: If you've been paying attention to the storytelling and to her arc and her relationship with death since season one, I saw this coming a mile off.
0: I thought that I and I, I don't know if we mentioned on the last show or if it was just in our conversations in the chat, but I really thought we were going to get a mirror of how Ned beat Arthur Dane with one versus one, John and Night King, and then Arya last minute saves John with a stab in the back. Yeah, and, that's what I thought, and yeah. that's that's, and I was like, yeah. and Then they'll then they'll do a thing where they don't actually tell anybody that Arya did that, just like Ned, and then John can be like the quote unquote prophecy, even though there isn't a prophecy. This was just humanity, and that's the thing about Arya and John. Like everybody had a role to play, and the people who were mad about Arya getting to kill the Night King are getting to be that be that person. A weren't paying attention and don't like it when their theories are wrong, which is stupid. Yeah. But B are just overlooking everybody's contribution to get to that exact moment. Like everything from brand giving her the knife to, you know, John and all the stuff he did at castle black to, I mean the more months, like everybody had this super specific role to play. And it actually, in my opinion, came together really well at the end except for the dothraki i still feel bad for those dudes they straight up (laughs) they they got
5: hosed they they got hosed yeah (laughs) they they were totally sacrificed so i want to break in here and and i mean i've been on the record for a long time that i'm an aria fan that's my home girl she's the baddest bitch in the game um she's that one she's that girl who's gonna be just ride or die and I've always loved that about her but I will say this as much as I enjoy her scenes I'm going to I'm not going to lie did not see it coming I thought for sure that she was just she was about to get back into this fight um thought that you know she was going to be the one to go ahead and uh, to be honest I thought she was going to probably um kill that freaking dragon the ice dragon and then <laughs> and then and then uh John uh John was going to be the one to go ahead and and kill the um you know the Night King and stuff, and then when she came out of nowhere and the and the wind just blew the hair back of the of the White Walker, like it basically
0: was, a wig snatch. It,
5: it literally <laughs> it was an was
2: amazing wigs. moment.
5: Wigs, uh, wigs were snatched. Um, I died, and then I came back again, <laughs> and then I died again, um, and then she brought me back to life. Uh, But as soon as he got her and I was like, oh, here it is. And when she dropped, even when the moment that she in hindsight, now it all makes sense. But at the moment when I'm my my emotions were high, I was just like, oh, my God, he's about to strangle her. And then she drops the knife. I actually thought that it was going to be um, Brand who was going to grab the knife and stab the Night King, you know, just so that way he can be a part of this, you know, since he was like, basically like in the matrix for the entire episode. Yeah. Um, he, was yeah he was like, just like, I'm just going to sit here and take a happy nap. Um, great job there, Theon. Uh, but you know, it, it was just, like I said, I really, that's where I thought it was going where, where it was actually going to be. Um, it, it was going to be her brother who was going to stab, um, the Night King but I mean it made total sense and, and uh, that was a really great synopsis Sarah um, you know I really I, I completely agree with you anybody who you know watches it with the second blush um, and all the context and all the things that have happened um, throughout the years you know with her with her story arc um, yeah she she definitely has the most
2: fleshed out story and that dagger moment was was foreshadowed in season seven when she duelled Brienne. Yeah, that's how, yeah, be- that's how I, beautiful exactly, that but was. But I wasn't. But but
5: I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, dude, I'm I I am a, a fucking ball of nerves, you know. So I'm not even thinking about that. Like, I'm about to shit myself, and uh, you know, and I'm just over here mainlining fucking red wine, and I'm I. I just, I mean, I was not thinking that. I was thinking like oh shit, here's my, wh- one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character is about to die, you know and, um, and then when that happened, I was just like I, I jumped out of bed and I was like I I spilled some wine Um, and I, I was just like, that's my girl, that she is the real deal I was and crying yeah, well there was Me a couple things. of times there was a couple of times I was crying that, w- that wasn't it I will say that the whole, Theon yeah, bo- just Okay, marks.
2: let's talk let's talk about this. The setup to to kill the Night King, right? Like I I'm not feel like going back and hitting each and every person in Winterfell. We all know how that went down. Everybody survived. Great. Good job. Let's <laughs> talk about the setup to the Night King, right? So you have A Daenerys and and Jon. They come in on the dragons. I thought Rhaegal was dead. Like when he the way he landed I was like, "God damn it! They killed another fucking Is dragon."
3: Is he not dead? I
2: thought he was dead. He was. He was in the trailer. Somebody said. For, 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 oh, yeah. No, he's one hundred percent.
0: He's in the trailer for next
2: episode. So that's great. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> he lives. He lives. He lives.
0: He, he's he's on dragon crutches, but he lives. <laughs> yeah. No, you can through? actually
4: spot. He's got some. He's got some holes in his wings.
2: Yeah, because the Mauserians broke break the fuck out of him. Yeah. Um, but, and I thought for a second that Drogon was gonna die via a million whites on him. That was scary as fuck. But, let's talk about the setup. So you had, you had, Daenerys, first of all, had Drogon Dracarys, uh, Dracarys, uh, the Night King, right? And I was very happy. I was like, it's not gonna kill him, but this is a fucking cool moment, right? And then for him to come out of her fire and be, like, looking at her, and I think this is the moment he smiled, right though? Like yes, he was kind of smiling. And I want to I want to talk about that.
3: He's got yeah, that's
2: <laughs> I He
0: was he was
5: doing his "Can
0: you dig it?" It's basically <laughs> what it was. And and I I don't think that enough emphasis was made by people cuz I mean it was such a wild moment, but looking back, this dude he smiled at Danny. And then threw a spear. Like, he he waited on her to get done with her little fire from her dragon. Like, blah, no one cares. And I'm going to throw this spear at you, blah, you missed. Okay, fine. Uh, but he just takes off walking after that. <laughs> and, like, he... Whenever they talked about the motivation for the Night King. And, and, you know, we just have to take them at their word now at this point. But the idea that the Night King was, you know, created by Children of the Forest to kill humans. And instead, he was like, kill everything... They they didn't program that right, the code was wrong, and so he went kind of crazy and just started trying to kill everybody and all that jazz. And his motivation is to end existence either because he was programmed to or he doesn't want to exist or whatever, right? So if that's the case, boy, he was really into messing with Danny and he was really into messing with John. And then with he both was of he was super into flexing in front of Bran thinking that he had won and like this like really just drawing the moment out that was some human shit from the night king
2: it was that was that was a
0: lot of swagger a lot of cockiness and i you know again just like i mentioned with the you know the white walkers didn't fight anybody because why would they need to you know we wanted to see one versus one john and the night king why would he allow that to happen and that's a great point why it's it's why would you allow it to happen i could just lift my arms and have hundred thousand troops again plus more you know and that's what he did so anyway i I don't mean to derail the topic but this was you know a really great example i think of why the the night king had to die in episode three in that how much further could that character go from yeah
2: is he gonna go to king's landing really with this army like no He's not going to make it that far with this shambling army. Look how long it took him to get to Winterfell. So yeah, no, I agree he had to die in episode 3. Um I what I love, see okay, my my whole thing was and I loved it. I loved that Arya killed the Night King. I thought it was a great moment. I thought he died a little too easy, honestly. Like I had this theory that and and this is just me going, "Hey, my theory sucked." But he had that dragon glass in his chest and I thought that Somebody had to re- reach into his chest and grab it out, or some kind of shit. I don't know. I thought Bran would tell somebody. King- yeah, <laughs> Like, I, like Bran would tell somebody, hey, the Night King has a, a, gra- a dragon glass shard in his chest and is keeping him alive because Uncle Bingen told John. That's our told Bran. That's why he was alive. The, the, the Children of the put dragon glass in my chest, and that's why I'm alive. I thought it was going to be a callback to that, but that never happened, and that's fine. I'm not mad by theory. Didn't well, okay, right.
0: but but to counter that theory, Benjin didn't die by them removing the dragonglass. He got murked.
2: He got murked by a bunch so, of white. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you're I right, just, you're I, right,
0: I really think that, again, we – not. I don't think it's obvious because we are – this is truly a collection of nerd, nerdery on this podcast and <laughs> we really nerded out because of all the theories from the book that carried the show R plus L equals J, ladies like all that stuff that like made this book or or made the books and made the show so, you know, unpredictable, the red wedding and the purple wedding and everything, that we were expecting something like that with the finale whenever looking back, Sarah's right. They kind of just said, hey, they really telegraphed like this is all coming to a head and it's not as unpredictable as you maybe think. I agree that like the Night King went down quick, but also not only did he I mean he turned around and caught Arya, so he had some situational awareness, as Archer would say, but he <laughs> did not expect her like he he didn't prep for that. He was too busy dealing. I mean it was just it's it's what I, makes like Arya, he, I like you know, how he Arya. cocked
2: his head to the side. He was staring at Brand, and he cocked his head to the side because he knew Arie was coming. Like he has eyes in the back of his head, right? Like he knew Arya was coming. That's why he turned around and grabbed her in the air. Um, but to go back, so my theory didn't go out, didn't go as planned. I thought John was going to get a one v one. It was going to be a beautiful moment. But what I kind of like, and Smith, I don't know if you're back right now and you can chime in, but what I really, really liked was that John. Was was hampered by all the whites. He had to fight his way through an army of whites once again, and then he had to fight Viserion. Like he had to figure out how, how to get past Viserion. So, Smith, I'd like you to chime in here. Talk to me about John. Like, did you feel like John had enough to do in this episode? Did he do enough as the uh, prophesied prince that was promised?
4: Yeah, and I mean. I wasn't 100% clear that was Viserion. Um, honestly, I thought it was
2: Rhaegal. Um, you did too and, for, a sec, for a hot second. I did too. Uh,
4: until I saw the trailer for the next week, I thought that was, that was Rhaegal or Drogon. Um, I, I thought Viser- Viserion had been kind of dealt with. But, I mean, I liked that it wasn't... I, I fault them a little bit for the execution of, of how it went down with, with the Night King but I do love that it wasn't John or Danny. Um, and, you know, not that they weren't doing anything this episode, but I love that. Yeah. They were, they were occupied elsewhere. And John is just in this, you know, I think they, they set it up nicely that it, it looked like John was going to do this mad dash Winterfell, you know, he's escaping whites. He's locking the door. They're falling out of the sky and then, you know, he's it looks like he's going to have to fight Viserion. And, you know, I think they were kind of setting that up is like, OK, he's doing all this stuff and he's going to get there just in the nick of time to save the day. But then he did not um, And I love that. Yeah, that it, it happened, you know, that it was Arya that did it. But I feel like Jon did a ton this episode. Um, I mean, he was on the dragon, which he'd only ridden
0: like once. And everybody know, he, did a shit ton this episode.
4: Yeah. They I, did. I, I, they did. Yeah. But,
0: but you unless,
4: you're, unless you're down in the crypts, I think everybody had a ton that they were doing this episode. So I mean to say that John, you know, maybe didn't contribute as much to his prophecy said that he was going to, I like that. Um I like that they they played with that that um you know trope. that we get in in a lot of these fantasy type stories is you know oh john you know john is the the kid who doesn't know who he really is and he grows up to find out he's really the king of the seven kingdoms and you know he's prophesied to save the world and blah 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 blah, and then it's his little one
2: claw is gonna kill the night king and blah blah blah. yeah yeah
4: right and then it's his little sister and or cousin or however you want to say it but I love that they played with that, that, that trope and that John didn't end up saving the day. And he was, it wasn't for lack of trying, right? You know, he clearly had a lot that was going on. Let's but.
2: talk about this. I know, Sarah, you wanted to say something, but let me, let me talk about this real, real quick. Sure. John, on his way to try to get to the Night King, totally ignored Sam, who was getting fucking eaten by a white. I love help. that,
0: by the way. I but love Dan that, was, by the
4: Dan way, was though. was
2: on the ground like, John, help!
0: <laughs> that John was... was like... <laughs> that was John... That was truly some of the biggest character development we've seen from John, because if you go back and watch Battle of the Bastards, he let his emotions and his love yeah. for his brother get in the way of him, doing yeah. what he needed to do as a leader to take back Winterfell. And this time... He not only saw Sam, he saw torment, he saw Brienne, he saw everybody, everybody was just like just what'd you say the proper fucked right like they, yeah, they but were
2: john, all in trouble. john made Sam made a point to ask for John's help, and he just kept running
0: and and like you know it broke John's heart, but he had a bigger in his i mean he's not wrong, he had a bigger fish to fry, and that is not something John would have done two years
2: ago, <laughs> so true. Cool. Totally agree. He has to do that. So he comes around the corner, and I thought it was Regal too. Sniff, you're right. I thought it was Regal, but it was Viserion. Viserion's there with his, his jaw half ripped off from the fight with Regal, and he's just he's he's going crazy. Right? He's knocking walls down, and he's blowing blue fire everywhere. And uh, <laughs> I loved that John got so pissed off and so. Frustrated <laughs> And he comes out, but comes out from behind the rock and just starts screaming at the dragon, like "What was your plan, bro?" What's Roda?
3: That was that was. Do you know? I I described it to my friend as like the last few minutes were just a lot of people like trying to demonstrate their big dick energy. So <laughs> you've got you've got John being like, "You think you're a tough asshole," and then obviously you you've got the Night King killing Theon. <laughs> <laughs> I I said to my friend that, like, Arya was like, you think you've got big dick energy? I've got my big dick energy and Gendry's big dick energy. The seed is strong, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> I just... Yes. I, it's been... I'm not going to take credit for the joke because everybody has made it online, but the idea that, like, for a solid 30 to 60 seconds, John thought, did I just yell a dragon to death? <laughs> like, I am a <laughs> badass! <laughs> Before, like you figured out, oh, oh, Arya killed the Night King. Oh, oh, well, good though. But oh. that's
3: amazing. Just seeing that like that worked. That was all we had to do. Just stand there, and go boo.
2: It was a funny moment. I, I don't. I think it was. I don't know if it was intentionally meant to be funny, but it was. It turned it was. out to be hilarious.
3: It uh, was. I was just sitting there. Go. What? What is he hoping to accomplish here? Scream the dragon.
2: Yeah, right. Um, I want to talk about Theon's death. We cannot skip over this. I cannot I want to talk about Theon and Jorah, but let's talk about Theon first. First of all, let's acknowledge how badass Theon was. He killed a fuck ton of whites. And also also, um Isis, we lost Elise Karstark. And nobody mentions this. She was there in the godswood with the with Theon. And Everybody was dead with Theon, which means at least Karstark Stark is dead, right? So how do you feel about Theon's uh, last moments? They, like did you did you cry like I did because I boohooed whenever Bran said Theon, no, you're a good man.
5: Yeah, no, I I cried I I cried like a little bitch. I did. I cried like a little bitch, and and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, again, this was part. We knew his redemption arc was was coming to an end. You know, this was it. Um, it, it really was just. You know, Bran gave him what he needed to go in peace, to 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 have his soul settled. Um, you know, knowing that he was going back to Winterfell and then he was most likely going to die. Um, I I think it was it was just. It was such a great way to end his storyline that, um, and, and you know, even call them family. This is his home. And I oh I, my god, I, when he said I, it
2: he brought you back here, home, I was dude, like, was
5: just sobbing.
2: Yeah, I, sobbing, clutch, I clutched sobbing. my clutch my pearls. It was bad.
5: clutch, clutch your damn pearls. Um, I, I mean, seriously, I was. It was. It was a very emotional moment. It was very poignant. Um, they didn't milk it. They didn't. It was just enough to where it was like. Yeah, this makes sense. This is not campy, even though we could see it coming a mile away. We talked about it last episode. We knew that this was going to happen. He and uh, Jorah I'm,
2: were the only ones I was sure were going to die. This episode.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not a book reader, but – so I'm going to tell you right now. didn't know that Card Stark was in, even there, and to me, I don't really care. Same. It
2: does,
5: yeah, it doesn't – I don't care. I don't have no inve- I have no vested interest in her being. Basically alive her and or Ned dead. Umber,
2: her and Ned Umber came in season seven and was like, Yay, we're gonna bring our houses back and in yeah. season eight they're like, No, you're dead <laughs> No, I mean it was like one became a freaking what was it
5: a a uh a, a, a a a shrimp a, a scampi. Art. No, it was yeah, it was like a shrimp scampy. <laughs> it was like shrimp scampi kind of thing. Like no, it was a shrimp cocktail. I I did not come with that. That you was broke the stone. That was Thone. I, I did not say that. Um, you know, and then the other world, well, like, she just kind of went missed. Because, um, I, like I said, I have no vested interest in her storyline, because I don't know her fucking storyline. So, your book readers, if you guys enjoyed that moment, or did not like that moment because she died, I, I'm so sorry for you. But, you know, Shonleys, Shon- we don't give a shit. Um, but, but Theon, yes. I mean, that was... That was so so good. It was so poignant. It was it, it was pitch perfect all the way through, even to the end, where he he is even tr- even after like he's been stabbed, he's on the ground, he's still trying, and and you kind of almost see the Night King look down at him like for real, like you're really gonna try to get up, and yeah. um, and then he's still walking away, but he's like he almost had some in my mind some respect because this guy was trying, you know. But um, but that's just me. I think it
2: was um, a great it was a great moment.
3: The if you compare it to last season, when he ran away, when Euron took his sister and he he jumped into the sea, to now when he was running towards absolute certain death to protect his brother. I know Brown's not his biological brother, but for all intents and purposes, they grew He's up his as bro- brothers. Right. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. I mean, he didn't even hesitate. He just went. He knew what it meant. He knew he was going to die. He was ready. And I I think um, Theon has never, ever forgiven himself for like burning those two little boys, for what he did to the Starks. There are other people in the show who have done worse and haven't batted an eyelid about it. And all he has ever wanted, I think, was to feel a sense of peace with himself. And I, I think Bran gave that to him.
2: So I, I even, thought it was... I, I, and to, to take it from a book reader's aspect, even in the books, when Theon takes Winterfell, he regrets it. Yeah. He instantly regrets taking Winterfell. And then, you know, all the things happen to him, and he, he becomes tortured by Ramsay Bolton. And the whole time, he's like, I betrayed Robb Stark. I, you know, I betrayed my real family. I was always a Stark. I never was a Greyjoy. Ned, Ned Stark was always my true father. And... They foreshadowed this when when he talked to John in the finale of season seven. And John said he was basically, John told him he was family. And then again here in, in this season when you know and it needed. I'm glad they did this. Bran needed to forgive him, right? Yeah. He did, he did, he didn't come out and say you're forgiven. He just said everything you did brought you here home, and then Theon, you're a good man. That's the moment where, honestly, I audibly sobbed. Like, I was like, (gasps) it was it was bad. I was crying really bad. It was a good moment and it was a poignant moment.
5: I think that, you know, also someone who, you know, had suffered under Ramsey's hand and and suffered um, PTSD, Um, and, and unfortunately, Westeros doesn't have any, like, you know, um, psychologists to kind of talk things out and everything. Um, you know, for, I think he had Sansa, you know, and, and I'm sure that, you know, when they were, they were having dinner that night, um, not that they have to talk about it because people who have PTSD don't necessarily have to talk about what they went through, especially if that person already kind of understands and knows what they were went through. And so I, I just like I said. I think it was a really great moment for him. To you know absolve himself. Of I'm getting I'm getting teared up. Just talking about it right yeah. now. And I don't even anyway. Um, you know just. Seeing soldiers. And, and people who will go through traumatic events. To see them go through them. The, through those moments. They don't really get those moments. Where they get told. That they're still good people.
3: Um, And so, yeah. for me, that yeah. was a really poignant moment. Yeah. Can we just give kudos to Alfie Ellen as well for being one oh, like of the man. most sensational actors over the course of the last eight seasons, what and he's, he's so done with underrated. that character. He's
2: so underrated. He's uh, so good. Yes, he, uh, he
3: always stirs up emotion in me in, in his scenes, always, whether it was early on in the beginning where I just couldn't stand the guy or when I oh, felt God, sorry for him. Dick, or... Wasn't he, Sarah? Yeah. Because I'm re um the earlier seasons with a friend of mine who's never seen the show, which is hilarious. He can't remember any of the names and has just come up with the most insane nicknames for people. But um, just watching Theon season one and season two, he's such an asshole. And he's, you write him off, you think he's going to die soon. I mean, he's he's nobody. He's nothing. And to build that character up to, to who he became at the moment of his death first of all was just genius writing he has one of the best arcs i've seen in this show alongside like jamie for example also has a great one but i just think a lot of it is is due to alfie and how well he sells it
4: um yeah i think we disagree about a lot of things on this podcast but i don't think anybody can disagree that alfie allen just did a phenomenal job throughout the, the series. Meh. Mediocre. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> meh. Meh. <laughs> nah. No, well, I mean actually, even you know, you think back to like the the torture scenes with Ramsay, and it's like, you know, his just like physically convinced us that that shit really fucking hurt. You know what I mean? Even just
2: it's haunting. That, it, is, yeah, it he, is. You know, Alfie Allen talked about that you know, in the interview. He said that he would go home at the end of the day during season during that season, and he would be in a dark place. He would have to go do some get him, like, he and um, Ewan Riron were, like, they, they're friends in real life, and, like, it was so awkward because the things that Ramsey was doing to, to uh, be on were so goddamn awful, and to sell those scenes, Alfie Allen had to go into, like, he said he would think about his grandmother dying, and, like, things that are horrible, like in his family. And when he would go home, he would cry because he was fucked up. Like he did Heath. Le- he, he, Alfie Allen has done Heath Ledger type acting, like in the dark Knight Joker yeah. moments. I've mean, done he's, that. And he's, it's been amazing. The only thing I,
4: the only thing I'll say is that I'm, I'm glad that we've only got three episodes left without Alfie Allen. Cause that guy deserves all the kudos in the world. He did a phenomenal job throughout his arc on the on the on the show, and even if you didn't like the character at some points, you know when he jumped in the the sea, uh, when Euron kidnapped Yara, or obviously when he betrayed the Starks, you could never fault his performance. You know what I mean? And I just, yeah, I mean, my hat's off to the guy. I, I can't praise him enough. I mean, you you talk about some of the main characters on the show like Danny or John. And I feel like acting wise, just pure acting ability, Alfie Allen is standing above virtually everybody on the show.
3: I agree. So I agree. We, yeah, go ahead. I just think I agree. There's never okay. been a moment yeah. where I didn't believe him.
2: Let's let's talk about Jorah's final moments. Ian Glenn is a phenomenal actor. I've always loved him. He was he's always been the perfect Jorah Mormont. Like. The descriptions from the book, he's pretty spot on with him. Like, I, he's always been great. He's always been, and he, the fact that we joke around and call him Sir Friend Zone and all that stuff, he's always been there for Daenerys when he's been in her retinue. Even whenever she kicked him out and he came back in the, in the pit, in Daznak's pit, and saved her from a son of a harpy with a spear, like, he's always been there for Daenerys. And this final moment of him, you know, like, fighting. Uh, fighting off all the whites, right? Like he's 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 there fighting off all the whites, and and he's getting stabbed as he's doing it. And first of all, he was already beat to fuck when he found Daenerys, right? Like Daenerys was about to die. but Drogon left her; her own dragon left her, and she was about to die. And I thought for a second; I told my wife, I was like, "Well, Danny's about to go, and this is going to be the surprise death of, of the episode." And here comes Jora, saving the day, and what really I, I don't want to take anything away from Ian Glenn's performance because him 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 dying was 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 very, very emotional. but I want to say that Amelia Clark sold his death. Her reaction to his death was 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 heartbreaking and then and then and then and then have Drogon fly down and hug her, he fucking hugged her. That yeah, was did, that, that was emotionalist.
0: It's his emo. It's her emotional support dragon. So
4: <laughs> that was a kick in the teeth, like when we were down. Like Drogon, like yeah, Amelia Clark really sold that moment, and, and it was her reaction was heartbreaking. And then Drogon flying down and like hugging her is like really, really you're gonna just kick us. <laughs> when we're down like that, we're already crying, and you're literally like kicking us in the teeth. But yeah, she she did sell that moment, and it was sad to see Jor go. We all kind of knew it was going to ha- happen this episode. Um, I mean, he was one of the deaths we were we were pretty damn certain about, but still, it was it was a powerful scene, and and credit to Amelia Clark who really sold it.
2: Okay, so we've already talked about the Night King dying. Um, and it was a brilliant moment in my opinion, and I thought it could have been harder to kill him, but I'm glad Arya brought him down.
0: ISIS. Can I, I talk- can I ask the question though? Yeah. The yeah, only yeah. thing we didn't talk about with the Night King. What do you think Arya's like? Um, standing like jump is how how what how many? <laughs> you think she can jump a forty inch box? You can do sixty because like that bitch got hops, man. Like. <laughs> She came from so high, and I know that it was. It's it's fine. It's of all the things to nitpick. It's a very silly thing, but I just remember being like, "Wow, the night king's a lot shorter than I thought he was." Because <laughs> she just came from. It's so worse high up. if you watch if you watch the behind the behind scenes. behind the scenes. Yeah, they have a it's platform. So <laughs>
4: worse. It's like literally, she's like thirty yards away, and she jumps across <laughs> that shit like an Olympic, you know, triple jump. Yeah. And you're just like I mean, on the show it didn't catch me at first, but when you really watch the behind the scenes, you're like, Holy shit, she literally just jumped across the entire Godswood. Yeah. And... Was it Macy
2: or was it I haven't watched behind was it Macy or was it a stunt double? It was Macy. Yeah, wow. it was oh, Macy.
3: That's cool. Yeah, it's
2: yeah really cool. It's it's but, but let's let's be
5: honest. It. Yeah, let's be honest though. I mean, our home girl, she could give those people in the draft run for their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. that she, no, the
4: she, New York Jets. The New York Jets tweeted out today that they
0: drafted her in the in the eighth round. <laughs> uh, still a better, still a better draft than the Giants' first round pick. But the,
5: oh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, sorry. I love no, this podcast. I just, I, it's got everything. I, it was and worth it, even moment. though
0: even though it was it it was almost silly, especially to watch behind us scenes how high she was. It's one of those things where it's like, does it make sense physically? Maybe it's not. Like, it doesn't like ruin it or anything. But the shot that we got out of it, of her over his shoulder and yeah. shit, is
2: well worth it. Look,
3: this is, this is and the let's woman be honest: the confidence to top her first time. Let her do what she wants.
2: And let's be let's be honest: this is the girl who can magically change her face and exactly. body type and body type whenever she wants to imitate somebody.
3: So and yeah, get
4: stabbed nineteen times in the stomach. By the way, and then drink and some sepsis. magic soup.
3: Yeah, and was... then, amazingly, get scars in a different part of her stomach.
4: Yeah, what was that? <laughs> I'm like, I was
3: like, she you... got stabbed in the front. Why are they there? I was like, that... that was like <laughs> I was like, she never not <laughs> stabbed there, believe me. I pay very close attention to where she was stabbed.
2: Yeah, I thought the same and thing, but nobody she... brought it up, so I was like, okay, whatever.
3: Yeah, no, she she was not stabbed in the side. She was stabbed in the front. But, I mean... I, I guess whatever.
0: Guys, it's because it's not Arya, it's the wave in Arya's
2: face. Oh, and... oh
3: if I had to scrunched <laughs> a piece of paper and I was in the room with you, I'd throw it at you right now.
2: Fair enough. It was it was Jack and it was Jack and Agar and Jack and Agar had sex with Gendry, Gendry so there you go. Well,
0: good for <laughs> lucky for Gendry because <laughs> Jack and Agar is beautiful.
3: <laughs> anyway, can, I just say, can you can you imagine the pressure that Gendry is under now? Like basically this girl, he is on has now saved the world. How will he ever win an argument with her?
2: His his girlfriend saved the world, right? Yeah. His like, girlfriend. I
3: want, I want girlfriend... Chinese tonight. Well, I want Indian, and I saved the world. So fuck you, Gendry.
2: <laughs> his no, girlfriend saved see... the world, and and his his girlfriend's brother is is the rightful ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. He's really in for a shock.
5: Yeah. Well, that's my thing is I think Gendry is going to be along for this ride because he seems like a type of guy who is not one of those like – I'm very um I I'm very important, or I think a lot of myself. So you know what I think they actually would not make a a really good uh you know match you know love match in heaven. Um I think he's just going to be like whatever Sansa it was Sansa excuse me whatever <laughs> Arya wants, uh, whatever Arya wants Arya gets.
3: Arya doesn't carry a
2: purse, but
5: he is absolutely he
3: is absolutely gone for her already. But this, this isn't going to help. It's like what woman can compare it to the woman who saved humanity? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm convinced that, that her arc. I, I'm convinced that her arc ends in like a love story with him anyway, because I, I want her to give up her list and like choose life and humanity and the things that make her happy. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see her get like a hey, thank you for saving my life, dicking down next week, <laughs> as she deserves.
0: I think everybody that oh, live deserves. A good dickin or muffin. <laughs> yes, yeah. do I don't know what the, know what Look, the female I'm, equivalent of a dickin is, a good but...
3: muffin with a basket of muffins for after.
0: Exactly, and a cup of tea.
3: <laughs> Look, <laughs> I, I tell you this. I
5: want, I want Gendry to get whatever he can get. I, I don't know what that is because you know I know he's missing some equipment down there, but whatever. Oh, uh, No, no, no gray worm. So he... I, said, oh, I said gray worm. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I said gray worm. Uh, I, I think gray worm. He deserves. He. I mean, Masande, do what you got to do. You got to tweak the nipples. You got to do whatever, whatever <laughs> gets him going, girl. Uh, but I mean, your boy, your boy, uh, gray worm deserves a little something, something. Now, I tell you this. I don't know what's going to happen after all the dust is settled with um, with John and uh, and Danny because they still have some huge unresolved issues. Um, some may say an elephant uh in the room uh i don't know yeah.
0: well then cersei would be happy
5: well,
2: cersei would be there <laughs> <laughs> you left us open for that one i yeah. did but i
5: i it up to you guys i feel
0: One. i know that we're we're coming up against the end of the show because we've yeah. gone on for a while but i just i have a question for the group it's something that i've discussed with some friends today as well um obviously Bran knew that like i need to give this dagger to arya but obviously i mean obviously but more than likely there was no certainty that it would work right that all the right. all the pieces in place there's still the uncertainty of oh, it might not work night king might kill me and that'd be that right, right. so what does bran what what is bran what is he <laughs> i don't he he warged into some crow's and didn't That's even, what I want to talk about. Didn't even like fly him into the Night King's face to annoy him or something. Just flew around. <laughs> and like, I get uh... it was like to quote-unquote bait him, but the mark on his arm already – the Night King knew he was there. I just – I I feel like – and this is why in Smith last week whenever we talked and I – you were like – you thought Bran was a pretty good chance to die. And my only counter to that was we haven't seen Bran do – anything so it would be like a big waste of which shit it's only three episodes left he might not he might be done i just don't know what (laughs) i don't know what he
3: does did anybody else notice when the night king approached him and bran looked into his eyes that was the first time i saw some like really genuine emotion in his face Mm -hmm. i felt like like if you watch it back he looks fearful that was the first time i thought hey that's bran again yeah it would I, I rewatched it before I, I came on the podcast. Like I, I literally on my TV right now, I have Maisie kneeling on the ground while the Night King explodes. Pause. But Bran meets his eyes and he looks like this He looks human again. He looks frightened.
2: Huh. I never noticed that. Yeah. It's well,
3: uh. It's it's subtle, but it's there.
2: But I I I don't understand why he's like he why he wore. I hope. Maybe there's an explanation, besides, I wanted to lure the Night King to me. But whatever, I don't really care. If he explains it in this episode, he he will. If not, he'll just be the kid in the wheelchair who has some magical powers, and we'll find out something later. Or he's just basically the the backup drive for all of humanity. Whatever. Um,
3: I feel like if he doesn't do a bit more, I'm really going to be disappointed in the yeah, the writers do, yeah. for not for not giving him more to do because I think he he deserves it. And as much as I love that he sits there like a sassy little shit saying the things we do for love or chaos is a ladder or, Ari, right, your technique was really good. Well done. Um, <laughs> I I I want to see him do more. I want to see him do more with his powers. I think he deserves that. I think Isaac Hempstead Wright is a really good actor who deserves yeah. more than what he's been given. So if they let me down with Bran, I am going to be very disappointed.
2: Before we talk about episode grades, and how he felt going around the room. I want to talk about Melisandre. Nobody's talking about her final scene. Like, Carice Houten did a, an amazing job. She is 100% my Melisandre from the books. I see her face when I read the books now. She did an amazing job as Melisandre. And to see her walk out of Winterfell and Davos falling behind her and Davos reaching for his sword but then stopping and watching her walk away. That was a great, a fucking fantastic finish to this episode. She came to Winterfell. She lit some dudes' swords on fire. She caught the the, the the trench on fire. She made sure to guide the real princess that was promised. And, and she made sure to guide her through what she needed. She, co- she told her, just like she did Jon Snow at, at Castle Black, um, you know nothing, Jon Snow. She call, she pulled something out of Arya's past and said, "What do we What do we tell death? Not today." And Arya knew immediately what she had to do. So her arc was complete and finished, and she walked out and took off that necklace and died. That was a beautiful moment. That was a beautiful way to close out the episode. You guys agree?
3: Yeah, that was the right way for her to go, and it was the right way to end that. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I
5: agree, and I love that that um, Davos was the one to be able to see it, um, so that way he has closure that you know he didn't go back on his promise because um, she was gonna die. You know, at the end of the you know, if she ever came back, if he ever saw her again. Um, so I really felt like, yeah, I mean, she served her purpose, and and she didn't. She didn't get cocky and be like, "Oh well, I've done this, maybe there's some more stuff that I can do you You might want to keep me around and stuff like that. No, she was like okay my my watch is done so,
2: she cut she kind of dusted off didn't she She pulled a fan on us yeah she
0: well, so I have a question then, and I think it really adds a lot of depth to her character the way that she died. first of all, shout out to Virginia Wolfing herself into the no, but secondly, um, when she when Stannis died and she knew that she was wrong and she took off her necklace and was old and she went to bed. Right. Like, I think at least at the time I thought myself like she's tired and she she doesn't know right. what to do anymore. And she's like and she she had talked about how she doesn't sleep. I'm just going to go to bed because I don't know what else to do. It seems to me more than likely now she took that necklace off and got in bed to die. Yeah. And, wow. and the Lord of Light said no. And that's how she knew she still had more to play in this world because she thought, Well, I'm I've I'm done, I'm dead, I, I don't have anything else to contribute, and she did. And this time she took her necklace off and went out and died, and Lord of Light was like, Thank you, you're done. And like That's a
2: great point. It adds
0: yeah. just a really to a character that was already very complicated. <laughs> it adds a an, an even deeper richer layer to her faith to what is the lord of light if it even is the lord of light if it's something bigger than that or more broad the who knows right because they we've seen multiple you know worshippers of multiple gods have magic and powers and whatever else so who knows but it really adds i think just some real richness to her character
2: i agree and like she was like what smith 300 years old is that what she was I don't. I don't think we ever knew
4: exactly how old she was.
2: Martin said. Uh, Martin said back when she took her necklace off, she's around three hundred.
4: Yeah, I mean, at the very least, a couple hundred years old. And yeah, I think she was just tired. And her one purpose in sticking around was to see the Night King defeated. And I think when he was, she was just done. She she'd been around forever. She'd been trying to fight her whole life for this. And it was over, and I think she was done. And, I mean, you know, good for yeah. her. I mean, you know what I mean? What are you going to do? Uh, so, I think she served moment. her purpose, and she was done.
3: I thought it was, um, I, just to harken back to the conversation she had with Arya, and what I said about the fact that Arya really began her service to death after Gendry was taken away, considering what Melisandre took away from her, I thought it was really beautiful that Melisandra was the one who showed her the way forward. Like, this is what it was all for. This is what you're meant to do. So I felt like there was a, a resolution between those two as well, which was really nice for me.
0: Yeah. And, I again, that just, as you look at her, is, is someone being,
3: is <laughs> someone Smith. watching
0: the torture of the scene? <laughs> I think Smith had to run away to Sorry.
4: get a page. Now I was watching her on the camera. She's not going to sleep. I thought I muted. Well, listen, let's
5: know you were not muted again. Yeah, let's wrap it up. But Jeff. I,
0: I just again, and you just say you just added more to me. Just more about why this episode did just added so much to these characters. Like I thought last episode that they had they had kind of wrapped up the whole. We're going to add some layers to these characters, but right. this one even more unexpectedly to me because a bat a battle episode isn't when I'm expecting to see development that harkens back to season one
5: right so grade it grade it what you got it what
0: you got it at i'm gonna give it an a minus and i would give it a stronger grade if i could see the whole damn thing
2: yeah um uh isis what do you have it at
5: i am going to say i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it an a minus i'm gonna give it an a minus because of it was very dark but also some of the pacing issues. Even though I, I, you know, gave the reasoning where I think why we think it was a pacing issue, but I think it was actually really a choice. Um, but I can I can also respect that it doesn't work for everybody. Um, so I'm gonna give it an A minus. Still solid, um, solid episode. Aria is that bitch, and I love her. <laughs> Smith,
2: what do you got for this episode?
4: B plus. Um, B plus. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of the moments. Um, I, I think not being able to see everything was was kind of a downer. Um, and, but also, just I didn't like that not that many people died um, for for what they were kind of building it up to, and everybody here, here. thinking they weren't, you know, everybody thinking they weren't going to see tomorrow and all that stuff, and then you know, basically only a few people died that that, that kind of didn't sit well with me and then again i i thought the the night king's death was just a little off i love that Arya did it but it just the execution was a little off for me um but yeah it's still a great episode i still really enjoyed it i had a freaking stomach ache at the end of it there's grown men weeping in my living room and you know still a great great episode but yeah B, B plus
2: um sarah as as our surprise special guest this episode thank you for joining us what would you give this episode grade
3: um i think i'd give it an a minus as well Um just with, with issues with pacing and a lot of what i felt was superfluous footage like dragons lost up in the fog etc but i mean the thing that always brings me back to game of thrones it's not battle scenes it's character and i think particularly Theon Arya and Melisandre the the character work there was absolutely excellent so i i can't really complain Arya's my favorite character and her arc is playing out exactly as i hoped in the depths of my heart it would so i i can't really complain i'm really happy about how it turned out for her
2: that was that was it's really good for arya fans and really in general game of thrones fans to have arya be the one to to plunge the dagger and kill the night king i would say I would give the episode an a minus as well. I know it's not original. You most of you have given it an a minus, but here's the reason why the, I had a problem with the pacing. I had a problem with the darkness. And um but I'm willing to forgive Sapo for this because he's coming back in episode five. And I would put Battle of the Bastards and Hard Home ahead of this episode battle wise, like the battle scenes. But as far as character development and interaction, that's what saved this episode. If you did not have the Theon stuff, the Jora stuff, the Danny crying over Jora, the Arya finding out who she is, all the, the hound and Barak, all those moments, you would, this episode wouldn't have been as good as it was to me. Uh, so Duh. I'm waiting. I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting. If you
0: take out the good shit, this episode kind of
2: sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, it can't. Stand on its own with the battle stuff. The battle stuff no, is I, not. I, what I, agree. I know what you're
0: saying. Like, yeah, <laughs> but, but I also I also think that, and this might be blasphemy. We haven't really ever talked about this, but I think Hardhome is kind of overrated by Game of Thrones fans. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! How
2: dare you? <laughs> but, oh, I mean, you he's gonna get hate mail for Woo! that. I gonna get gonna, hate mail. For I'm, gonna, that. I'm gonna send the hate mail. Um, we'll I, talk about that in another episode because we're coming <laughs> to the end. But uh, I think we're gonna get a more Sapo-like battle when we come to episode 5 he directed that as well and we know that Jon Snow and The Living are going to King's Landings we believe that's where they're headed so I give it an A- it was a good episode and uh, I was happy with it I was happy with the, re- the resolutions that happened in the episode so we're going to wrap it up now if you have comments leave them in the comment section below let us know on Twitter how, what you thought about it Um, how would you rate the episode? Were you happy that Arya killed Night King? Don't come at us with that Mary Sue shit, because Isis and Sarah will kick your ass verbally. Anyway, thanks for listening tonight, Mogulis.